If you've been with us over recent weeks, you'll know that we've been basing ourselves in the book of Haggai, uh, really looking at kind of this question of what kind of house will you build for me? We kind of want to get hold of, of what God was saying to his people in that book and say, what does that mean for us in Swindon in 2019? And really the, 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 the main question that is being asked in Haggai is, will God's people be faithful to, their, to God and to his promises in their generation? And that same call is on every generation and every follower of Jesus from then until Jesus and to his promises. And that's true for us individually, and that's true for us as a church. And, and we're really feeling like we want to put before us again, what is it that God has called us as a people group to be? What is it about Gateway Church that's our part to play in, in the mission of God so that his glory fills the whole earth? What's our part here in Swindon and the nation? And so we've been resting and we've, we've kind of settled on this phrase that I think expresses who we are, which is to be a community who give ourselves away to see God glorified. And that happens really in three main ways. Firstly, by giving ourselves to God in worship. And Colin spoke on that about six or seven weeks ago. Secondly, to give ourselves to one another in family. Um, and again, Colin spoke on that not too long ago. And then today and next week, what does it look like to give ourselves to neighbors and nations in mission? And so today I'm going to focus on the whole subject of neighbors. And uh, next week, now I'm just going to look at the topic of nations. And I feel like what God is stirring in me personally and in us as a community here, particularly in the East, is one of a people who go, not just a people who gather. It's interesting. I feel like God's really been stirring me and provoking me in so many conversations that I've had over and over again. People, has, It's been like, well, how are we reaching out? What does it look like for us to be a people on mission? And it's really encouraging when you start to hear many across the body going, but there's, a, there's, a, there's people to be reached in this town, and, and what are we doing about it? And there's a hunger and a zeal that's being birthed in us. And that's not just true for Gateway, that's true across the nation. This nation, I believe, is ripe for a move of God. There are many senior leaders of churches that are kind of really believing that God is, is about to be a breakout of the move of God upon this nation once again, and many will be saved and added. And we're believing that um, as well. And so what I want to just do today, really, is talk about what does it mean for us to be a people who exist to give ourselves away to our neighbours. Um, and, and, we'll, and then next week, Nigel, will look at the nations. What this isn't is please try harder to be better evangelists. This is, a, this is something that is rooted in the Word of God and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is not merely try harder Christianity, please go and witness to your friend. This is be rooted in the Word of God, be empowered by the Spirit, and be sent into the world. Very simply, that's what it is. If we're not rooted in the word of God, boldness to go and to proclaim the good news to neighbors and to many people in this city. There are many in this city who are destined for salvation, I believe. Amen? <laughs> Come on. So we're going to be building this message from the kind of context of Haggai and then looking at what it means for us. Um, we're going to start in the book of Ezra, um, which if you have a Bible, is after one and two chronicles. Ezra tells the story of what Haggai is prophesying into, if you like. So Haggai is prophesying, Ezra is telling the narrative and the story. And so we're just going to look a little bit at the book of Ezra, chapter 1, before we dive back into Haggai very briefly. So Ezra, chapter 1, verse 1. 
you've got a Bible, please turn there. If not, it will come up on the screen. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, beside freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers, houses, fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, and with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered." God's people were taken into exile because of their sin and their disobedience. And they live in Babylon for 70 years. And in one level, life in exile is not too bad. Yes, they're away from their home, but over that 70-year period, they've built homes for themselves. They've got married, they've had children, they've made business, they've made money for themselves. And they're settled in this land of relative comfort, albeit away from the place that God really wanted them to be. And the decree goes up from King Cyrus of Persia, not a worshipper of God, to say, go back to your city and rebuild the city and the house of God. Can you imagine in that moment, you're sat there in your home with your family, with your work, and the call comes who will go? Who will go to Jerusalem? Now, going back to Jerusalem was not a particularly attractive proposition. The city was desolate and in ruins. The temple was utterly destroyed. Leave your place of comfort and go to the place that I will show you, Jerusalem, and rebuild my house that I may be glorified. Do you get echoes of Genesis 12, Abraham there? Go, leave your place to the land that I will show you, and through you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. The call of the gospel, the call to the people there, is to go. And about 50,000 of the Israelites answer the call here I am, send me. And they leave Babylon, the place of comfort, and go to the ruined city of Jerusalem. And we need to understand that was a costly decision. It was a costly decision. And saying to God, it's going to cost us. It's always a costly decision. Following Jesus is a costly decision. And 50,000 make the call and they take the journey. They go back to Jerusalem. And as we know from the story, they, they make good progress to start with. They rebuild the altar. They start to work on the foundation. 
But what happens? They get distracted. They face opposition. They get lethargic. And they start to focus on building their own house whilst neglecting God. It's into that context that Haggai speaks. And he says this, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Not a great bag. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You see, it wasn't enough for them to go, yeah, 16 years ago, we made a decision, but now we're getting distracted into the things of, our, of ourselves and we're focusing on our own houses. God says there's work to be done. My kingdom is to be established and I'm calling you to stop building your own houses and to give yourselves to the work that I have called you to do. To the kingdom of God, the call of the gospel is always other-orientated. We so easily, don't we, get distracted and say, my needs, my things, and God says, no, it's about the purposes of God on the earth. And he calls them and he says, don't be distracted on building our own homes. Come and build my house that I may be glorified, says the Lord. And as we looked at last week, it's not merely enough just to be doing it with religious service. What God wants is holy hearts that are surrendered to him and to his will. And that is the thread that is running through this story is go. Leave your place of comfort. Don't focus on your own priorities, but give yourself to God and his work that he may be glorified. And I hope you can see where we're heading with this. I hope you can see how this helps us understand the call of the gospel. You see, in their context, the rebuilding of the temple was key because that was the dwelling place of God. That was where his presence was manifest. That was where sacrifices, erection of scripture, we see that it's not merely about a physical temple. It's about the glory of God filling the whole earth. King Solomon built the grandest temple of all, and when he consecrated it to God and the glory of God descended in a way that I wish I had been there, he says, heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain you, much less this house I have built. Solomon knew that the glory of God could never be contained in a temple, no matter how glorious it was. He knew that the glory of God was to go to the ends of the earth so that the whole earth may be filled with the glory and the knowledge of God. That's the, the mission that was on Genesis chapter 1. Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, fill the earth with God's glory. That's the commission from Genesis 1, and that's the commission that's being repeated here in a small microcosm way around the building of the temple. But Solomon knew that the glory of God could not be contained in a temple. Haggai knew that there was a greater glory coming. The Old Testament is building up and building up. How is this greater glory going to come? And it's not through Adam, and it's not through Noah, and it's not through Abraham, and it's not through God's people in Israel at that time, but through.
He is how the manifest glory of God to the ends of the earth is going to be fulfilled. He answers the call of heaven to leave his place of comfort in heaven and to come and minister to a broken and hurting and dying world. The Son of Man, crowned in glory and honor, takes on human form and human limitations, involved himself in the mess of humanity, fulfills the call and the prophetic revelation of Isaiah 61 to take the good news to the oppressed, the broken, the hurting, to bring liberty to the captives, and ultimately humbling himself to the point of death on a cross. A hidden glory in unbearable suffering, that he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross, and gloriously rose three days later to deal the decisive blow to sin and sickness and death. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he's seated and interceding on our behalf. And one day, the curtain of this age will close. And Jesus Christ will come. The trumpet will sound and Jesus will return, and every ear will hear, and every eye will see, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. His glory will indeed fill the whole earth. Jesus Christ is the stone that became a mountain whose glory is filling the whole earth. It's through Jesus Christ that the glory of God will fill the whole earth that will be completed and finalized when Jesus Christ returns. And our hope, friends, we are looking forward to that day with great anticipation. We can't even get our heads around what it looks like for the glory of God to fill the whole earth and him to make all things new and for the dwelling place of God to be with man once and for all. The marriage of the, of the, of the lion and the lamb with the bride and the dwelling place of God. But the job is not yet done. And on the cross, Jesus Christ established a new people, the church, not a physical temple, but living stones set free, declared righteous, and empowered by the Spirit to go and see the kingdom of God established in the place His glory may come in Swindon here and now. With the authority given by Jesus and with the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus speaks these words to his disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. You see, the call is just like it was in Haggai. Go, leave your place of comfort. Don't focus on your, on your own priorities, but give yourselves to God and to the seeing of his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that his glory may come and fill, come and fill schools in this town and workplaces, and businesses, and the north, and the south, and the east, and the west, and your street, and your home, and your family. And that's the call 
that is now upon every single one of us in that way, from, from Matthew 28 commission right the way through. The call on every believer and every church is to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus, that he may be glorified and that many might come to salvation in him. You see, the church is not just a club who gathers, but a community that goes. We're not a club who just gathers, we're a community who goes. And the reality is this, God is sovereign and his glory will fill the whole earth. He doesn't need us for that. Let's not get stuck in self-importance. He doesn't need us, but the Bible says he chose us. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't need us, but he chose us and appointed us to go and bear good fruit. He picked us out and chose us and said, I've appointed you to go and bear good fruit. And I don't know whether you love this town or the place that you live or you despise it. If you despise it, you might need to repent this morning because God calls us to love this city that we are called to and seek its welfare and its blessing that he may be glorified. God has called each and every one of you as a minister of reconciliation, as an ambassador of Christ into this town, into the street that you live in, into the family that you have around you, into the place that you work, into the places that you go in the week, into the places that you socialize. He says, you are a sent one to be an ambassador for Christ and a minister of reconciliation. Not to make people like us, but to point them towards the foundation stone, Jesus Christ. We have been chosen and placed as a royal priesthood in this city who get to proclaim the good news of Jesus, be ambassadors of him, and be ministers of reconciliation in a dying, hopeless, and hurting world to see his glory come in this town. There was once a revival in Swindon, I think it was in the 1860s, um, that Colin was doing a bit of reading about the other day. I think it was that long ago. There was a mass revival and thousands of people got saved. They couldn't build churches fast enough. My God, would you come? God, would you come? God, would you come into this town and use us to be ministers of reconciliation? afresh, that your kingdom may break out in this place. I just want to read a prophetic word from a guy called Julian Adams from 2013. I think it might come up on the screen. Haha. I believe that the Lord wants to say that doors that have been previously closed are going to open, and you and you're going to go knock and knock on some doors again. I feel like in particular in the area of evangelism, it is like it has been stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. God is saying there's going to be consistent breakthrough, consistent increase, and consistent favor in this next season. I believe that God is saying that the voice of the church is going to be heard in this town, in the town of Swindon. I believe there is something about God wanting to hotspot this place. There is something about, I don't often prophesy about hotspots, but I believe there are places I think that God wants to put his finger on in the nation that will act as a significant move of God in the nation. And I believe that God wants to put his finger on this church and on this city, that where there has been a predictability, where there has been a normality, where there has been the same old, same old concerning this town, 
God says, I'm going to turn it around and there is going to be some breakthroughs that are going to come. And I feel like God wants you to get ready for that in this next season. So some of the wine skin is going to change. I believe that even some stuff to do with meeting places is going to change. And where you meet is going to change. This was in 2013, long before we were here or even thinking about coming here. I believe I'm not just talking about buildings or Gateway West at that time. I'm talking about there are going to be some strategic plants in the areas of home groups and smaller congregations that God is going to begin to unlock because God is going to give you a network across the town of Swindon. And so you'll get, you have to get ready because God is about to bring some significant breakthrough. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to skip over the bit about money. You can read it on the screen. Basically, it's about increase, which is we're seeking to unlock a wineskin that is going to pour out wine across the city and release the kingdom of God wherever you go. Do you know, the prophetic is an invitation into what God wants to do in this city. And when I hear God is going to begin to unlock a wineskin that is going to pour out wine across this city and release the kingdom of God wherever you go. I want to receive that. I want to receive that and say, God, would you use me to pour out some wine into this city, into the places that I go? I just want to very quickly, before I call us to respond and about what it looks like, what does it look like for us? What does it mean to be a people who exist to give ourselves away to neighbors? And do you know where it's birthed? It's birthed in prayer. This is birthed in prayer. This is not, like I said earlier, some sort of try harder to speak please to your friends and neighbors about Jesus' message. This needs to be birthed in prayer. Justin Welby, the archbishop, said, without prayer, there will be no renewal of the church. And without the renewal of the church, and in the book, Dirty Glory, which quotes that, it says this, whenever and wherever God's people truly rediscover their purpose and their power, they do so through prayer. There isn't a single example of transformational Christian renewal that did not begin in prayer. Do you know, I have loved this week of prayer. I have loved being able to give ourselves for a week to say, God, we just want to dedicate this week, but it's not about a week. It's what it births in us. It's what it births in us to be a people who not just gather for 168 hours for a week in November 2019, but it births a people who pray. Not just to get an outcome, but because we're utterly dependent upon him. And I want to pray. I, just as I came in and Julian was, was talking about this idea of posture of praise and prayer. That's what I want us to be birthed in. I feel like particularly when I walked here, I feel like particularly in this community, in this house, in Gateway East, there's going to be something of a movement of prayer and birthing something in prayer that will cascade us to be those who bless our neighbors in this kingdom of God. That's the place for which it comes from. Sometimes that'll be us gathering together to pray. Sometimes it'll be as we pray in our own homes. Sometimes it'll be as small groups get hold of this and say, we're going to pray all evening just that God's kingdom would break out in this place. It's birthed in prayer, church. It's birthed in prayer. And I want to I call us to say what God has started in this week, that it would flow into next week. It's not about whether we can fill 168 hours of prayer. You don't have to get up at three in the morning tomorrow and pray if you don't want to. That's fine. It's about what it bursts in us. And I was really inspired recently by uh, Sarah, my wife's mum. She had read Dirty Glory, and she was like, I need to do something. 
And so every night about 10 o'clock, she it's really weird. We're sat there having a conversation. She's like, I've got to go. I've got to go. We're like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to walk around the block. And she just felt to say, what can I do? I'm going to walk around my block and I'm going to pray for 10 or 15 minutes every single day. A small thing you might think, but actually God is already doing something in that neighborhood as she's given herself to prayer. And with mid-conversation, she would just get up and walk out. And you're like, okay, see ya. Actually, it bursts something of a, of a hunger. We go, well, how am I going to respond? H- how am I going to respond to that prophetic, that encouragement to give herself to prayer for her neighborhood and her streets. And it's not just about praying, that it's about becoming the answer to those prayers through mission and justice. Do you know the call of Matthew 28 and the call this morning, I feel like the word God wants to give to us this morning is a fresh commission. The call of Matthew 28 was never to a few super gifted evangelists but to every follower of Jesus Christ from that moment right the way through today and right the way through until Jesus Christ returns. It's not the call for the few, it's the call for the all. And some may have stronger gifts of evangelists. Pam, I, you know, the amount of time she's like, oh, just pre- preach the gospel to that person, they got saved. I'm like, wow, God has gifted you with a freedom, but actually there, are, there is gifts, but actually the point is God has called and sent each one of us as ambassadors of Christ as messengers, as those who get to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. And one of the things I really want to just believe for in this, I want to encourage us into, we are living stones empowered by the Holy Spirit. In days gone by, the dwelling place of God was in the temple, and now God says the dwelling place is with you, follower of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit, a living stone, catapulted into this city to be scattered servants and to proclaim. And I just want us to live with, a few weeks ago, Esther brought a a prophetic word, I think it was around um, remembering that wherever we go, we bring the presence of God into that situation. When you step foot in work tomorrow morning, when you go home this afternoon in your neighborhood, you are one who brings the presence of God wherever you go. Because you're a living stone empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, you bring light into the darkness. Some of you are in work settings where it's very hard to openly speak. But you are people, as you go, you bring the presence of God and the light into the darkness. And the Bible says light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So as you're at your desk tomorrow, as you're walking through the hospital, as you're seeing patients, as you're in schools, as you're talking to your next-door neighbor, you are one who carries the presence of God. The presence of God goes with you. Fill us up, Lord, and send us out. Fill us up and send us out. That's the cry of our hearts, that we may go as scattered servants in this city to release life and God's kingdom wherever we go. And as we go about living lives faithfully and modeling godly living and and being salt and light in the world, there will come moments where people can go, could you pray for me? There will come moments when you can say, can I just tell you a little bit about Jesus? We don't have to force it. The Holy Spirit will lead us. And Sarah is such a good example of this, way better than I am. She's over the eight years since we've had children and she's taken a 
a rather large shift from being a pharmacist to a full-time mum, and, and all the challenges that that brought, as she's built relationships with many mums over the years, just it amazes me that every time there's a challenge, she'll just text them and say, you might think I'm crazy, I'm going to pray tonight, that situation changes. And lo and behold, what happens? The next day, things change. There was, this, there was this kid, and he was having nightmares every single night, and Sarah texts the mum to say, we're going to pray, those nightmares stopped. No more nightmares ever. And... She, Okay, she hasn't become a Christian, as far as I know, yet. But the point is, is that as we go and faithfully live out the lives, and as we proclaim when we get opportunities to, his kingdom will break out. And it's just an encouragement for us to be natural and supernatural at the same time, and to be understanding that we are bringers of the presence of God wherever we go. I want us to be encouraged in that. That actually, as we leave and go to wherever we go to, across this, across this most of us live in East Swindon somewhere, you bring the presence of God with you. And you carry light into the darkness. And that should encourage us to be bold and very courageous. But I think there is something and ground for us to take here in the east of Swindon. We had a team meeting a little while ago. And the thing I think we're living with as, as a leadership team is God has put us here in the east of this town for purpose. And sure, we've, we've, we've done some things here in the school, and, and I'm so excited about the toy appeal, and I'm excited about all I see God doing, but there is a purpose to us being here in the east of Swindon. There is a purpose that God put us here in this school, and I just want us to start to fuel in the days ahead. What's that going to look like for us, to be intentionally missional in this place that God has put us in, in the schools? I really feel like God has wanted a hotspot, the hospital, at the moment. I was in there the other day, um, Ella was having some blood tests, and the amount of Christians I saw in there, I'm like, God, okay, you want to do something, and I have no wisdom about what it looks like. I have no idea how you ever do something in the hospital, but I feel like God says there are many there who bring about light into the darkness, and I don't know what it looks like, and maybe some of you out there going, yeah, I know what that looks like, and I'm going to go and do it. Please come and see me. But the point is, it's like, actually, God wants to birth something in us that we go to places in this town, in, in, particularly in this part of, of the city, particularly in this part of East Sweden. God has put us here for purpose, I believe. That we are all sent, but there'll be times where we go, we as a family are going to go to this particular part of, the, of, of need. We're going to come, we're going to serve the toy appeal in the canteen next door to serve 44 families who have already been referred, 44 children who have already been referred. We're going to come and we're going to do mentoring of young people, but also we're going to go to the hospital. We're going to go to unreached people groups who exist in East Swindon. To our Nepali friends, our Nepalese friends in this town are unreached. Never heard the gospel, some of them. What does it look like to do? What does it look like to release and to be fervently fueled into the mission of God that people who have never heard the good news of Jesus will hear the good news of Jesus and come into saving power and saving knowledge? So what does it look like? We're birthed in prayer. We're carriers of the presence of God wherever we go. And we're going to find times to come together in this part of town to release and fuel the mission of God into this place. Can I invite you to stand? If you're on the prayer team, I wonder if you could just um, just come to the front. We're going to um, pray for people in a moment. I want us to, I'd love us to respond in prayer. Um, I think particularly two things that I really would love us to respond to.
think the first is, it's a, it's a general call for each of us, I think. I want to just pray over us. So I just wonder if you could just put your hands, just put your hands out if you want to receive. I want to pray, God, that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you transformed a bunch of ragtag Christians in the first century who were lost and confused into people who transformed the known world at that time by your Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit came and brought life. And I want to pray right now over us as a family, would you baptize and fill us afresh with you, Holy Spirit? We want to receive afresh you, Holy Spirit, and your baptism and your infilling. I want to pray over this family that you would fill us afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Uh, there's, there's two particular um, people that I'd love to encourage to respond, not individuals, but corporately. One is there are some of you who have been like Ezra, the people in Ezra, and that initially you've answered the call to go, but you found yourself getting distracted. And maybe even 16 years have passed. Maybe there's something significant for some people here. I believe that. There's something about 16 years for some of you here. And you go, yeah, it was that long ago, and that's when I answered the call, but I've got distracted. And I feel like God wants you to just to come forward today and, and just be prayed for with a posture of, here I am, send me. And that, that, if that's you, I'd love to encourage you in a moment to respond. But, but secondly, I just, um, this is about, perhaps a bit more broad, but if you are saying this morning, if you want to usher the words, here I am, send me, I want to invite you to come as well. Please would you come, if that's one of you, if you know that you have settled and you want God to do a fresh work in your heart, it's not about beating one another up. It's about encouraging each other into the things of God. And secondly, if you want to say to God, here I am, send me. And these guys here are going to just serve us and minister to us as we do that. This is not about beating ourselves up for not being good enough. This is about saying, God, would you empower us by your spirit? And then many of you need to come forward. And you need to say, here I am, God. Send me. Why don't you come? Why don't you come right now?